Welcome back to The Chosen Life. I'm your host, The Chosen Lawyer, and a happy new year to our reoccurring guest, our sports expert, Mr. Wayne Frazier of Doug Laurie Sports. Wayne, welcome back to The Chosen Life. Glad to be here. I don't know if uh, sports expert, that's a heavy title to lay on somebody this early in the morning. Well, it's well-deserved in the amount of experience and time you've put into the world of sports. And uh, because of being the new year and rocking and in different arenas, there's so much to cover today. I'm actually going to give a bit of the agenda and we're going to jump right in because there's just so much to cover, Wayne. So much exciting news coming down the pipe over the last few days. We got the NFL playoffs, uh, lots of MLB news coming out. We got NHL and Reptile Farms. We got the world of WWE and slapping. So, Wayne, what are you feeling to start? Uh, you know, let's talk about the playoffs first. I think I think uh, we jump into the NFL playoffs. Playoffs. <laughs> I just I'm I just, just trying to win that. the game. Playoffs. I just watched that again the other day. Every time somebody says playoffs, the first time I have to go watch DV, DJ Steve Porter. Right, so. That was one of the best quotes ever between playoffs and practice. I once saw there was a medley put together, Jamora, fantastic. Yep. And you know what? Both of those press conferences have aged very well, actually. You know, mm-hmm. so let's start off with the playoff. Fine. And before we get into the upsets and what's going on there, I got to ask you a question. So we wake up in the morning. Our team has just been eliminated. This being Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. In my humble opinion now, if I'm Tom, I'm packing up my bags, I'm calling the Uber, heading straight to Giselle's house, knocking on the door, saying, Giselle, it was all just a dream. Let's pretend I just retired. This season did not happen because it did not work out for any of us. Let's just go back to the way things were. What do you think? You think Tom's uh, heading back or you think he's itching for another season in the NFL? Well, I think that partially depends on how much money Giselle and Tom lost in the FTX thing. Um, You know, I mean, I would hope that uh, I don't believe Tom Brady is destitute, but if they lost hundreds of millions of dollars in this, which I don't, I don't think they did, but I I suppose it's possible. uh, You may need another season and then he's probably in Las Vegas, right? Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that's probably the best thing that could happen. Um, you know, I mean, people want to view this as an unsuccessful season. The Buccaneers were not that good of a team this year and Brady still played fine. I mean, he wasn't a top echelon quarterback. He's not going to be anymore. They still went nine and eight and made the playoffs, right. And got beat by a better team. You're not going to win the Super Bowl every year, even if you're Tom Brady, but it's not like Brady paid, played badly. Do I think somebody like Oakland, or sorry, I want to say Oakland, Las Vegas, or or the Jets, or somebody like that, should look at taking him on for a year? I I I just don't see the point of it. Um, you know, if, if you put Brady on the Jets, are they a playoff team? Maybe I don't know. If you put Derek Carr on the Jets, I think they're a playoff team, right? So what's a better choice? If you put Brady on the Raiders, are they a playoff team? I don't think they get much better with Tom Brady, I'm afraid. So my sources hinted at the Saints. Can you see that happening? I can see anything happening. I can see anybody signing him to a one year deal. Um, 
but I don't, again, I don't see the Saints. I don't see Brady going somewhere to, unless again, again, it's a, a money situation thing, but why go play for the Saints? They're not going to win the Super Bowl. You know, why play for the Raiders? They're not going to win the Super Bowl. And if that's not your ultimate goal, um, maybe it's time to get out, right? The other two teams, which were at the time discussed and did not happen for a variety of reasons, were the Dolphins and the 49ers. The Dolphins, I believe that ship has come and sailed with, there was talk he was going to get an ownership stake, but there was a bunch of things going around there. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule that out. I mean, look at the situation you're in. Um, I love Tua. I mean, he's so much fun to watch and never has so much someone done so much with so little arm strength. But this guy is amazing, right? But you, if you can't stay on the field, and I'm not blaming any of this on him, but if he can't stay on the field, at what point do you have to move on? And if you're going to do that, right? Or if you're going to say, hey, look, We've got Skylar Thompson, who I think has quite a future in the NFL. I know he didn't show it in the playoff game, but he, they didn't have a running game, so they just put their ears back and went after him, right? Um, I think Thompson could be very good. He's not ready yet. Bridgewater, he's okay as a backup, but why, right? I would not. It would not surprise me to see them go to Brady and say, hey, look, we want to sign you for one year. You're going to start the season as the starter, most likely. Um, and we're going to let Tua learn from you for a year while we try to figure all this out, right, and whether Tua can stay on the field or not. And if if Tua can't, right, then and, and I actually would – I would rather see Brady say, you know what, I'm going to come in and be the backup. Um, but I don't think I don't think Tom can do that, and they can't pay him all the money to be the backup, right? Um, but I, I would not rule the Dolphins out. Uh, I think, though, that some of the other teams, you know, there was a lot of talk about the Raiders, eh, you know, unless Brady wants to go hang out in Las Vegas, which, okay, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I think if there's a secondary team, I think to me it's the Jets. I I just feel like they are almost done with Zach Wilson. I'm I'm sorry to say that. Almost, but I think we're, almost. No, 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 you can't give up on a guy that fast, right? You, you can't. Um, Josh Rosen got how many chances in different places, right? You know, Zach Wilson is a fine quarterback who played for a bad team and then now seems to maybe he just doesn't want to be there. I don't know. Uh, is Mike White the answer for the Jets? I like Mike White. I don't if he was a starter, I think he would have been a bit of starter already. But again, Tom Brady, if you decide you're done with Wilson, Tom Brady buys you a year to put Mike Wilson behind him, give him or Mike, Mike White one year, one year behind him. And then if he's your guy, you roll with him. Right. And I, I do think I like the jets enough um, that I think if they sign Brady, I think they would probably go nine and eight, 10 and seven. That's probably enough to get them in the playoffs. Are they going to go anywhere beyond that? Probably not. But for one year and for high, Hey, look, Tom probably wants the advertising exposure and everything else. Where better than New York? Well, the money that him and uh, Giselle lost, I believe, was fake money that never existed. It's <laughs> not that they went and invested hundreds of millions of their own dollars. It was, mm -hmm. we're paying you an FTX money, and it's like me paying them in Monopoly money, so that never worked out. So I think they still have the respective fortunes. But, you know, from, from Brady's perspective, I think he's already this deep. He took a non-team into the playoffs. He's probably saying... I got to give another, I can't leave like this. So I think he's going to do another year as well. And correct me if I'm wrong, having watched enough Bucks games this year, 
doesn't every team have to have a running back? Like it seems like there was no running game whatsoever there. Like he he attempted sixty six passes. Like what is up with that, Wade? Well, look, Leonard Fournette is I, I like Fournette a lot, right? But it doesn't seem like that the Buccaneers could <clears throat> excuse me can commit, and everybody else they've brought in just hasn't been very good. You know, guys left, other guys came in. You had Deshaun Vaughn, you had what, Ronald Jones and all these guys, right? I mean, they'd almost be better to go back and sign Cadillac Williams. From He's 45 years old. Let him and Blunt run, Blunt run together, right? At some point, yeah, there's, you know, you've got to have a running game. And they just didn't have one. It's the same reason that the Dolphins got, well, they didn't get stomped. But the reason, the Dolphins probably would have, if, if, if Raheem Mostert was active, they probably would have won that game. Right. But they just didn't have anybody to hand the ball off to really. Right. And which is, again, I mean, how many running backs did the Dolphins have this year? Five or six of them cycling in and out. And yet none of them were any good at the end. So, you know, I, I just I, I kind of hope for Brady's sake that what you said at the beginning of this is kind of the tack that he takes. You know, you can keep going one more year. Oh, I'm going to play one more year but the results are not going to get any better for Brady personally. He's just going to get worse from here on out unless you stick him with Kansas city. If Mahomes got hurt or something, he's not going to lead a team to the super bowl anymore. It's just not going to happen. Right. Well, my sources have been seeing Giselle uh, in Costa Rica numerous times with her personal trainer. And there's rumors that they may be dating. So Tom better uh, hurry up and get to Costa Rica there. Otherwise there's people banging on the door for Giselle. The one team that I'd be saying that if I would, if there's one team that he's got to be salivating on, it's the 49ers. I mean, how many weapons do they have? They have these hybrid guys that are receivers backs. They could do it all. He's got to be saying to himself, if I was on that team, that's the one team. Oh, I'd feel so good. So how about we get rid of Trey Lance and Jimmy G, let them go off into other pastures. We keep our boy Brock Purdy because he's never going to lose a game ever again. And bring Tom into there and have the 1A, 1B quarterback situation. I bet Tom would love that. I, I'm i sure Garoppolo's gone. I'm not sure about Lance. Although, again, it's a it's another situation where if you can't stay on the field, we, we just can't count on you to be the starting quarterback, right? I don't know that the 49ers are ready to throw all their eggs in the Purdy basket yet. Um, I am. I really like this kid, right? But you're right. I mean, they have so many other weapons and a, and a really solid defense that, I mean, would Brady go there knowing that he wasn't the starter? Would the Let's say that San Francisco goes all the way to the Super Bowl this year. That's an entirely a, a possibility, right? And Purdy is the guy that takes him there. Do you then next year go, well, now Trey Lance is the quarterback again, or we're bringing Tom Brady in? I don't know whether you want to mess with that or not, right? You got your guy. You got your guy. Roll with him, right? Um, I, I would think that if they make it that far, they're almost forced into playing Purdy next year as the starter. And then it's a matter of whether Brady would come in as the backup, right? And then I think if that happens, then you – See what you can get for trade Lance on the market too, but his trade value isn't going to be what it should be right now. You almost need to play him for two or three games and then try to move him after that. Well, the Bucks are going to have a lot of dead cap space with what Tom's going to leave them with. It's going to be a not a good occurrence for them trying to restart. And I got to tell you, the 49ers with their coaching staff, 
they got to pay everybody a bazillion dollars because there's one thing is they got the systems. They're looking real good. Now, looking into the playoffs and looking at the Super Bowl, I got to ask you, besides what went right, what went wrong? And so I'm watching on Saturday night and we're wild card playoff uh, weekend. And uh, I'm saying to myself, well, you know what? Uh, the Chargers have this one in the bag at halftime. I'm going to switch off and watch the hockey game. I get a message from Steve Carr say, did you see the end of that Chargers game? I'm like, what are you talking about? Wayne, what the heck happened to the Chargers? How is this possible? I mean, I know that I, I read a few critics that like the Jags going into that game as a good upset. But I mean, come on. How do you implode like that in this day and age? You stopped doing the things that got you a 27 to nothing lead. Um, look, all credit to the Jaguars and for Trevor Lawrence for having the fortitude to overcome four picks in the first, you know, quarter of the game or whatever. Uh, you know what? I turned it off at 27 nothing, and then I flipped it back on when the Chargers kicked the field goal to make it 30 to 14. And I, I turned it back off. I thought, well, unfortunately, right? Um, the Chargers are soft. Despite the fact that they have some incredible talent on defense, they're soft. And they just went into a shell. We're just going to let Trevor Lawrence get into a rhythm. And look, Trevor Lawrence is a really good quarterback. And he's got some tools around him now. And I hate to say it, for anybody that has to play them, you know, I, do I expect them to win this week? No. Do I expect that to be a good game? Yes, I do. And next year, do I think Jacksonville is maybe 12-5 and five or 11-6? and six? Yeah, I do. I have a lot of faith in Trevor Lawrence. It's why I went out and acquired him in my fantasy league. I think, you know, I have Mahomes as my starter. Somebody makes me a really good offer on Patrick Mahomes where I can increase somewhere else. I'm okay to roll with Trevor Lawrence. I'm I'm just fine with it, right? But it's that, you know, well, we're going to play the umbrella defense and we're going to sit back and give you a dink and dunk. That That's all well and good. You can't do that in the middle of the second quarter, right? You can't do it. Two minutes into the, the second half, you, you've got to, if you were being that successful, just keep doing it. What, I don't understand. Look, I, I get it. I, you don't want to be the dude who was blitzing every second play and gave up three bombs in eight minutes. But what are the what's the likelihood of that happening as opposed to you giving up what just happened to them? It's my, To me, it's much more likely when you take your foot off the throttle, that's when somebody gets hurt, right? like they say in hockey don't skate half don't skate half speed because that's when you get drilled right I, I just to me if i'm the chargers management i'm going in there and i'm saying okay if if this ever happens again if you ever take your foot off the gas i personally will come down to the sideline and fire you on the spot right i just as a matter of fact i don't know that i would keep the coaching staff after that anyway well, Cliff Kingsbury is off to Thailand on a one-way ticket. Uh, <laughs> he is done for a while. He's making $7.5 a year to sit at home for the next three years or so. Thank you, uh, Cards. So he's done, and apparently the Chargers coach is going to be uh, joining him over there. It's uh, I don't know how you come back from that because I can tell you, watching the highlights and then watching the end of the game, I did, I did turn in and get to see the end of it. Lawrence had this look in his eyes of complete confidence and the chargers mm -hmm. looked scared out there. They actually right. looked afraid. Right. 
you look and you look at the sidelines and you look at the faces of the players on the sidelines and they're sitting there just looking like there's some there's some air of inevitability and i think that's a lack of confidence in the coaching staff right and they're wondering why the hell are we not you know we're up 27 to nothing go go after them try to put the you know put the stake in their heart i know that you know people think a 27 nothing lead is is safe but clearly i mean we've learned in the last four or five years the way the nfl works now you give a team a touchdown or two back and look again trevor lawrence i don't think he's dumb i don't i i think he's a really smart guy but sometimes when you watch a guy have that much confidence after he's thrown four picks, which not, not not really his fault on most of them, but when a guy throws four picks and he's still walking around strutting like a rooster, like, he, hey, you know what, we're going to get this done. All the rest of the guys around him go, either you're insane or you know something we don't know, and we'll take the latter one, right? That whole team just looked like, yeah, 27 nothing. Hey, well, you know what, we'll get a couple scores and we're back in it. And they were. And you watch, you watch Lawrence. I mean, I just find him a joy to to watch play and to to listen to his his press conferences and stuff. I just really like the guy. Um, it's like Gardner Minshew with more talent, right? I mean, I just I enjoy a guy with a little bit more, uh, a, a little more willingness to talk and a little bit more willingness to show kind of a, his emotions. I, I don't need the dancing and everything else. I I don't see Lawrence doing that. But you know, just just unadulterated. Holy crap! Look what we just did, right? And just that feeling, like you said, you watch him on the sidelines at 27 nothing, and you think, what the hell are you smiling about? But he just thinks he's going to go out there and throw three touchdown passes in his next three attempts, right? The Chargers, you know what? They look like that guy who brought that pretty girl to the prom and watched Trevor Lawrence drive her home. That's how it looked to me. Uh, Vikings and Seahawks. Now, I know the Vikings had a great year, kind of, you know, like a bit of smoke and mirrors. A lot of people saw this coming. Seahawks, I think, were just happy to make it to the playoffs. I don't think there's a giant surprise, although the Giants look kind of weak going into the stretch there. So any surprises from your end as far as the Vikings and Seahawks saying goodbye at this stage? I'm not surprised that Seattle went out at all. I mean, uh, uh, God love Geno Smith for finally getting a chance and showing that, hey, there was a reason I was drafted where I was at, and it only took me eight or nine years to get a shot. The Vikings... They didn't play that well down the stretch. And look, as much, I think this is kind of like when with the Giants, it kind of got to the point during the second half of the season where when you have a one-pitch pitcher, right, and halfway through the season, they figure out this is all he can do, right? The Giants, I think, kind of went away from mixing things up a little bit. And they, for whatever reason, they, they didn't give, you know, Barkley was a little banged up or whatever. They're trying to protect him give Saquon the ball 25 times and just if he gets 50 yards, it doesn't make a damn difference. Right. Um, I was not surprised that the, the giants won the game. I, I picked Minnesota, um, but I wasn't surprised that the giants, you know, that they did what they did. And I wasn't surprised that Minnesota folded up the way they did. I, well, now- Minnesota, Minnesota is the, is the, is the chargers of the NFC. So we're down to the final eight now the top eight teams let's go through each series and at the time of taping because by the time people are watching this the games will have been played but we're gonna put on our prediction hats and see where we're going and predict the Super Bowl winner for 2023 so first of all Jags and Chiefs uh can we just hand the Chiefs this game right now no 
you can't just hand them this game. Um, I think that this is it's an eight and a half spread. Um, I would take Jacksonville to cover that spread. Um, there are for all you options. gamblers out there. Yeah, this is a this is a two this is a two possibility here, right? There's a possibility that the that Kansas City comes out and blows the doors off of them, and then just kind of lets them back into the game. And I and Jacksonville has the capability to to come back and close that. But I, I think this is actually going to be a pretty good game. I think that the Jags are going to carry that confidence over from last week. And I, you know, I'm always leery about teams who have had a week off about them maybe coming out slowly. And, you know, maybe here we're at, you know, 14, 10 Jags at the half or something like that. And then, you know, I still think Kansas city is clearly the better team. Um, I think Kansas city probably wins at 27, 20 or something like that. But Kansas city has not been invincible this year by any stretch of the imagination. And just, there's a gotta be so much confidence in the Jags, the Jags team bus, right. When they get off, they gotta be feeling like, you know, I don't think anybody thinks we have a chance in this game except for us, especially Trevor Lawrence, right? So, well, I got some more inside information here. So I'm going to go with the Jags on this one. Reason being is that the owner, uh, Tony Khan and uh, and his father, um, if they win the Super Bowl, then WWE has to make them a championship belt, and they own the rival AEW company, so <laughs> they have reasons to want to win this game. I I don't like the Chiefs with the, with the week off. I think the Jags are coming on a high. I think this is going to be a sloppy game and the Jags are going to win it. Let's see what happens there. But on the flip side, I think the Eagles are going to come out rested and demolish the Giants. I don't think it's going to be even close. I think that it's there's not a chance that the Giants, well, there's always a chance, but there's not much of a chance that the Giants beat the Eagles. However, again, if they just decide we're going to run Saquon 25 times and we're going to run Daniel Jones 10 times on quarterback boots or whatever else, they can keep the score low enough that it might be a, a touchdown game at the end, right? I think that Philadelphia, you know, if you ran this as a simulation, would win 98 of 100 of these games, right? But it just depends on what Dave all comes out. And if they decide, you know what, we're just going to three yards in a cloud of dust and punt if we have to, right? Just eat up mu- as much clock as we possibly can because you cannot get into a track meet with the Eagles. It's just not, it's not going to work. That's the only chance you have. You know, when I was in high school, we used to play, not me, I wasn't a basketball player, obviously, but um, we used to play East St. Louis. And East St. Louis is where Darius Miles went to school and Lafonso Ellis. And so there were times when we played them in the in the state championship series in the playoffs where they played my my high school played the four corners offense for the entire first quarter and just sat on the ball. I can remember one of the first games I ever broadcast as a play by play guy, the score at the half was like six to four because they just sat on the ball. Right. And just waited and waited. The final was like. East St. Louis won like 22 to 17 or something like that. I can see Brian Dayball doing whatever the, with the, the, the four corners offense, the Woody Hayes, three yards in a cloud of dust. Just try to run the clock as much as you can. Tell your guys, go down in bounds. Don't stop the clock. You know, we want this to be 19 to 16 or 23 to 20. And hopefully we're the guys with the ball at the end of the game and we have a shot. That's the only way they have a chance. And your prediction for the score on that one? 
I would I would say probably I'm gonna say Philly 24, Giants 17. Okay, so still fairly close. Yeah. A game which uh I got no visions on. I know where I have to go with it because of the Toronto connection. We got the Bengals and the Bills. You knew this was inevitable that they're gonna be meeting. It was destiny. Here we are. Uh, first of all, what city is this one getting played in, Wayne? And where do you see this game going? So my understanding is that it's if they do is this one in Buffalo or is it in is it down in Atlanta? Good question. That one I uh, cannot answer you uh, because of how everything worked out. Uh, well, I read this. I read yeah. that they said that if they if Buffalo and Kansas City advanced, that they would be playing in Atlanta on the 29th, and that would be the neutral site game, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that this is being played in Buffalo. I'm just gonna stall for time for a second while I look at this because we have we have to know this. We can't be wrong. Like I was the other day about that other thing. Uh, let's yeah. see here. So yeah, it's at Buff. It's at it Buffalo. Is Buffalo. Yeah, that's what I thought. So that next week, if if Buffalo and Kansas City advance, then that will be played. I think they said it in Atlanta, but this one will be in Buffalo. And and to me, if you got to go into Buffalo in in January, not that Cincinnati isn't a cold weather team. Um, not Buffalo's boiling hot in Cincinnati right now. Yeah, <laughs> but you're going with Buffalo on this one. Yeah, I, I think I have to take Buffalo. I as much as I would like to see Cincinnati go, I think Buffalo probably wins this one. It was a pretty ugly game with the Dolphins, I gotta tell you. And yeah. like you were saying, and I, I think the Dolphins quarterback, the third stringer, you know, his dad was in the stands or talking about the whole story of how they lost the mom and how he raised him and you know, sacrificed everything for him. Great story. Kid looked like a, a he was great out there, you know, for where he was at in life and what they put him into. I think he was fabulous and they almost did it. I really want to say Buffalo, but given how poorly the Bills played, I think the Bengals are going to take this one. Sorry. I so the only sorry. reason I would be pulling for Buffalo is the kid that played at my high school. Yeah, AJ Ibanesa is playing for the Bills right now. Actually, the guy who kicked the winning field goal for Jacksonville is from my high school, too. We have two or three guys in the NFL right now, which is not too bad for a relatively small school, but well, not relatively small, 2000 people or whatever, but, but yeah, I, I agree with you. Buffalo just looked, and I, I, I got to say this. It's going to make people mad. I know. Welcome back. Cole Beasley. Good thing you forced him out of the league for a year or two, huh? How'd that all work out? And then all of a sudden, Oh, well, you can't play in the league because he's not vaccinated and we can't do this and we can't do that. But then when somebody needs him, Oh, well, let's bring him right back in and we're the NFL. And oh, look, he scored a touchdown. If I was Cole Beasley, I would have got up and flipped the camera off. Tried to moon somebody in the booth. Treated for, like crap. For the fourth game, we got the Cowboys versus Brock Purdy. And I don't think it's gonna be very pretty for the Cowboys. I think the 49ers are going to dismantle them. <sighs> I you know what? I know the Cowboys are feeling good after that win, but they're playing against a really sloppy team. If you actually, I know it's Tom Brady, but folks, if you go and watch any of those games with the Bucks this year, they were not pretty. The 49ers are so on right now. Wayne, this is this is over. This is gonna be a huge one. Uh 49ers are advancing guaranteed. I agree with you. The 49ers are to me are better the better team. Except on the days when the Cowboys completely show up 
And when everybody on the Cowboys is firing properly, I think they're better than Philadelphia. I think they're better than San Francisco. For whatever reason, when you can get everybody kind of firing on, on all cylinders at the same time, I don't think there's anybody that can beat them. Now, the question is, were they doing that last week against Tampa Bay? Yeah, yeah, they they pretty much were, and they still didn't really destroy Tampa Bay. So I agree with you. I I think the chances of them coming out and and really being amazing, I, I would really like. I don't really have a favorite in the NFC. There's not really a team. I can't root for the Cowboys, having grown up a Cardinals fan. It's just not going to happen. I, I don't really care about Philadelphia. I don't really care about. You know, I'm rooting for the Giants. Actually, that I would I would like to see the Giants win, but it's not going to happen. But I, I I think you're right. I think for the 49ers advance. I think the only possibility is that they blitz Purdy like crazy to start the game and try to rattle him. Right? Maybe even a couple of oops. You know, sorry, that was a late hit. I didn't mean to. But you know, I, I don't think you have much of a choice after that. And the thing is, if you're not successful with that in the first 10, 10 to 15 plays of the game, if they're able to dump off to McCaffrey and, and beat the blitz like that, I think the 49ers have to be thinking that's what's coming. You set your game plan up like that. If it doesn't work out, they could be down 14, 17, nothing by the end of the first quarter, right? So I agree with you. I, I think clearly, Sam, I think clearly San Francisco. Now, do you think San Francisco right now, let's say it gets to San Francisco and Philadelphia, and that game's in Philadelphia. Who wins that game? San Francisco. Because I think I think right now San Francisco is probably the highest functioning team in the league. Better than Kansas City, better than Buffalo, better than anybody in the NFC. You can see there's a game plan. They're following the game plan. The coaching are, got them on. Everybody's drinking the same Kool-Aid. That team is on. That's it. They're heading straight to the Super Bowl. That's the only place I see them heading right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Dallas stops them. And I think if they go to Philadelphia... I, I wouldn't bet against I wouldn't bet against San Francisco. I would imagine that that's probably going to be a field goal game for the point spread, even being in Philly, uh, maybe a two point game, right? So, hey, how about uh, how about are they having any kicker auditions for the Cowboys this week too? Four extra points. Holy laces cats. out, laces out, laces <laughs> out, laces out. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Sometimes you just you know. You, something goes wrong in your head or whatever else. You just had, you can't do that this week. I, I told him don't watch Ace Ventura before the big game. I'm telling you, I think that uh, freaked him out. So who are the 49ers going to face in the Super Bowl, Wayne? I think it's Buffalo. I, I think they play Buffalo in the, in the Super Bowl. And I think, I think the 49ers beat them. Assuming they don't get anybody hurt. Assuming her, Purdy can stay upright for the next couple of weeks, I, I think they beat him. And what a story is that if Purdy wins the Super Bowl after being the third stringer, what, two months ago? Nobody, I mean, when I mean, we talked about it at the last podcast, who the hell knew who that guy was, right? I mean, like, I, I haven't looked through my boxes and boxes of hockey cards behind me here from the last year or two. I assume there are some Brock Purdy rookies in there. I got to start digging. Right, because now well, they'll the be mixed in with the other. They'll be mixed in there. I'm sure they are now. Uh, when is Chuba Chuba available for to be drafted? I think he's got one more year. 
I think I he's got another season. Yeah, one one more at uh, Nebraska, right? So oh, he's gonna be drafted a thousand percent in the first round. I'm telling you right now. Uh, I'm seeing 49ers and Jags. Don't ask me why. And 49ers are gonna win the Super Bowl, and Brock Purdy's gonna be celebrating like no tomorrow. And hopefully, Tom Brady will be joining him next year in San Francisco. Turning over to the world of baseball now. We're going to go there, and we're going to talk about the white elephant in the room. So, Wayne, you put together a baseball team, and you look at these crazy contracts, you know, and people are getting $100 million, $200 million, $300 million contracts, and starting pitching is such a premium that if you're a 42-year-old Cy Young Award winner, you're getting $30 million a year. What if I can get you a former Cy Young Award winner still in his prime and almost guaranteed to come in and be your ace, and all you got to spend is $700,000. How does that sound to you? And he's young. Not bad, as right? long as it's not attached to one name, I think everybody out there is jumping on it. Well, it is. And a man who is not convicted of anything and will tell you that all day long is a man by the name of Trevor Bauer. So... Sean Watson has a contract and he has a uh, team to play for. And he's a starter. Sean Watson is playing in football. Everybody seemingly gets second chances no matter what. Is it because of the allegations or his personality or how he rubs teammates the wrong way? Or is it a bit of everything with Trevor Bauer? Like, seriously, like even as he came out now, I think you could say he came across a little smug and self-righteous and a team signs him in major league baseball and has him show up the spring training. I don't think he's going to come and be very humble. I think he will come and do the strut, the Vince McMahon strut for sure. So I got to ask you, Wayne, is Trevor Bauer going to be pitching major league baseball in 2023? And if he is with whom? Yes. Although maybe not at spring training, I think it's entirely likely that maybe some team, signs him during the season um, because they don't want the distraction during spring training and everything else. Um, if I'm picking somebody that I think would be in that situation that might be kind of on the playoff cusp, seems like a Yankees kind of thing to do to me. Uh, I could see the Houston Astros bringing him in. Uh, I don't think Texas will probably be in that situation, although I think the Rangers are a possibility also. The only other way I think it happens is if it's like a, somebody, say, like Florida or, or, you know, I mean, Miami or whatever, somebody somebody down there that's kind of, you know, kind of out of the radar, Oakland or somebody like that. You know, I could see Oakland bringing him in, giving him a chance to sort of rehabilitate his image and then trading him at the trade deadline for a ransom of stuff. Um, makes a lot of sense for them. You know, I'm not going to say I'm a Trevor Bauer fan. I don't think there's anybody who's maybe a Trevor Bauer fan now except Trevor Bauer. But if the goal of the game is to win, Trevor Bauer would help you do that most likely. It's just a matter of whether you feel like you want to possibly upset the apple cart chemistry of your of your clubhouse, right? So you're a team. You We agree he should not be in spring training. Let's get rid of the distractions. Fine. We're not going to make him available for any press conferences. There's no need for that. The clubhouse is big enough. We can find a separate quarter locker. Maybe put him with the 26 guy over there. 
Uh, there's ways around this up to a certain degree, certainly, as long as we keep him to himself as much as possible and focus on his start dates. Now, if you think about it, like the Rangers, how much they spend on starting pitching, for example, Houston having just won the World Series, San Diego trying to go all in. You put him into any of those situations from a talent point of view, he's the guy who puts you over the top. The guy, I, the team I could really see are the Jays as far as the need goes from a talent standpoint. But for the political climate, I'm going to say nope. that in a nice way. No, nope. there's no it chance. Ain't there's no chance Toronto's going to do it. Miami, uh, having a female GM, Kim NG running. I can't pronounce. I don't know if it's Eng or Ing. Uh, she is not going to sit down with Trevor Bauer. I can't see that happening. Uh, Houston, I could see because I think the political climate in, in uh, Texas is a little more. Uh, freewheeling, I guess you can call it. <laughs> and San Diego, like waving guns as we're driving through our pickup trucks, you know, I can see that Trevor Ralph fitted in quite well over there. But uh, San Diego as well, um, really screwing the Dodgers being in the in division and the competition there. I just, I feel like San Diego, like this will put them over the top. I, I can see it happening. I, what I cannot see happening is him not getting signed at all. I just, yeah. there's way too much talent. The man did not go to prison at the end of the day. I get where we're at in our society correctness this day and age. And a lot of teams will shun him and don't want that media attention. But I don't know, Wayne, Deshaun Watson's playing. Uh, Trevor Bauer's playing. That's all there is to it. And a discussion for me. I, I agree with you. Um, it doesn't really in, in, in this discussion, what's right and what's wrong doesn't play into it. What plays into it is, is some team going to say, Hey, we need a starting pitcher. And this guy is definitely going to slide in as number two or three at worst for us for not much money. And we'll probably pitch his ass off for the rest of the season. He will be so laser focused to try to rehabilitate his image and get a contract somewhere else. I, uh, you know, the only way I can see this going south from the standpoint of the team that signs him is you're just going to have a constant barrage of negative press. Oh my God, I can't believe you signed these guys. To me, what I wish that would, that would happen is I would, let's say it's ESPN that's dumping all over the Houston Astros for signing him. I would just find a PI and dig into the private lives of the sports center anchors. And then when the press came, the question came up, I'd be like, didn't you have a DUI like three years ago? And didn't you cheat on your wife? And didn't you do this? Uh, maybe shut up and fix your own house, right? You know, again, I'm not a Trevor Bauer fan, but uh, he's got to get signed somewhere this year. And he's he's probably going to pitch in the playoffs. I got your solution for you. You just You just inspired me. He's got to go to the Padres because every time they're going to bring up Tatis and what happened with him, they're going to say, ah, let's, Trevor's right over there, actually. Trevor Bauer is is your perfect Trojan horse to distract right. away from well, Fernando when, Tatis. There yeah, you go. When you, when you said San Diego, that's kind of thought where I thought you were going. Is I mean, Trevor Bauer can handle the target. And if you're willing to accept what comes out of Trevor Bauer's mouth when you let him talk, um, then he takes the heat off of everybody else. Not, not only just Tatis, but everybody in the management in that organization. You know, it's a matter of what do the fans in San Diego think? You know, and uh, you know what? Winning winning changes a lot of minds. It shuts a lot of mouths. Winning fixes all. And you got the Manny Machado opt-out coming up as well. My understanding, it's a little toxic over there in San Diego with all those personalities. Plus, the Tease, they're not very happy with him. 
what a better way to mask over all this stuff and put all deflect all the attention onto Trevor Bauer. In the meantime, all he's going to do is come and be 19 and two with a 1.9 ERA. So, uh, should be interesting where well, he ends up. Let's, let's let's not go that far. I mean, I think there's a chance that he comes back and he's a little rusty for, you know, a month, two, two, three weeks. You know, I mean, you can do all the training you want to do and everything else, but when you get back in there, I think it may take him three or four starts to kind of get back into the groove of where he was before. But I think he will get back there. Uh, I don't think they, they if you're San Francisco or if you're San Diego, I don't think you give a crap what he does in the regular season because you're probably going to make the playoffs. You want him tuned up so that he's one of your three pitchers that you're just rolling with. Right. And Bauer is a guy that he's on. Hell, you might get a complete game out of him twice in a week. Right. I mean, he's that kind of guy. So playoffs. And the other team I would bring in is Cincinnati, having won the Cy Young there and apparently having a good relationship. So, uh, there's there's options for him. Maybe, maybe he'll go to Pittsburgh. You know, lay low over mm-hmm. there. There's a, there's look. There's so many teams. Uh, the Mets and the Yankees came out and said they're not touching him. But we'll see. Again, it's uh, all it takes is one injury in spring training. All it takes is one hole. Your fan base ra- rapidly wants to go to the playoffs. It's a long season, 162 games. Somebody's gonna take him. That's all there is to it. And a discussion. Okay. Don't don't tell me that the Mets are not going to be interested in Trevor Bauer if they're not playing at the level that they should be playing at and they get an injury in the starting rotation and you've spent, I don't know, $85 billion over the course of the last little while, you're not going to take Trevor Bauer on to get you get the New York media off your back in terms of other teams performing. Hell, you could sign Bauer for exactly the reason you just said for Sanford or San Diego. Here's your target. We don't want to talk about how bad we're playing right now. We, we talk to Trevor Bauer about him being back in the league, right? Interesting. Uh, I like that reasoning, actually. And I think that would actually be really conducive in New York. And I can see the Mets over the Yankees, although they said they're not going to touch him. The only problem will be with Trevor Bauer to sign with the Mets is passing that physical after Kumar Rocker had an issue. And now Carlos Correa, as we segue into Carlos Correa, Wayne, what? the heck happened with this i mean you got the top agent scott boris this was an absolute shit show seriously between the giants fiasco then the mets swooping in going back to minnesota after they gave the initial offer how does boris not control the narrative here understand where the mets are going as far as the physical goes they end up using the same doctor that reviewed the physical and denied the giants. And now they're using the same guy for the Mets. I mean, something went horribly wrong here. Uh, Boris is blaming the Mets. Uh, I, I, if I'm blaming one person in this whole fiasco, it's gotta be Boris. I mean, the buck stops with him. He's the money man. Something went wrong. The only thing I can see here. And and first off, I don't know if you read Korea's little, Oh, I'm glad to be back in Minnesota tweet or whatever. Like, okay. Yeah, to- so tone deaf. Like, come on. Like, uh, you clearly were the last, almost the last option available, right? And they took you back. If, and honestly, I mean, they got him. They got him for a reasonable price. But I, I don't. I, I would have told him to just pound salt, right? Take a minor league deal somewhere. We'll see if you can get fi- get fixed, right? The only thing I can think that happened with Boris is that there were physical issues and stuff like that, you know. And they they said, okay, well. And they may have told Boris, if you try to stick us with this and if you, we will never deal with you again, 
ever. And especially if you're Scott Boris and the Mets, I mean, the Mets are one of the teams that are going to, over the course of the next three to five years, are going to drive the market up for everybody. If they flat out said to you, hey, you stick us with this, you don't give us an out and try to shop them somewhere else, we will absolutely not bid on any of your guys over the next five years. Maybe Boris says, okay, well, you know what? Maybe maybe Carlos needs to go back to Minnesota then. But after the Kumar Rocker fiasco over there, the Mets already were seen as a sensitive team in accepting physicals. The Mets call you up. Like, if I'm Scott Boris now, and I already knew this without being Scott Boris, right? And they're saying, hey, I heard about what happened to the Giants. We'd love to take him. Fantastic. So what happened with Kumar, and how do I ensure that you guys are not overly sensitive on physicals? You would think that you would talk through these issues before agreeing to a deal, knowing what they are, and it ended up blowing in their face. They might as well just been negotiating with the Giants the whole point. There's no point in bringing in the Mets. I, I think it's entirely possible that they did have those discussions, that Boris did have that discussion with the Mets, and then the Mets just said, this is it's just not going to work. You know, we've had this physical and yeah, you think it's this, but it's clearly that right now. It's a little weird that the twins then feel like, okay, well, we can gamble on him here. Um, maybe, maybe whatever the, and I think maybe it's also possible too, that Boris had so much egg on his face that when the Mets stepped in and said, Hey, he just was like, okay, let's see what happens here. We'll roll the dice. Cause he had to figure you know, no matter what happens, he has a shot at getting uh he, he's got he's got a shot at going back to the twins, or somebody's gonna give him the deal that he got from the twins. So maybe if the Mets give him the contract and he passes the physical with the Mets, all this goes away, right? Because he looked like an idiot with the Giants, right? So absolutely. But you know what? I think out of the three teams, the uh twins ended up giving the biggest contract relatively as far as the guaranteed monies goes. He's already played there. He has the comfort level there. Uh, I, I think they did the smart move, obviously, to swerve around to them. Uh, the Twins end up giving more money than in the initial contract offer. But if there was concerns with the physical end, I think in hindsight, negotiate with the Twins, pull out more money, take the lower contract, but less years, stay where you've been at day one. That would have had more better look to it than shooting for the stars. This feels very much like real estate law, Wayne, where you go and you put an offer on a $10 million mansion, but you put a conditional on financing, conditional on a home inspection. And really, this was a home inspection that didn't go well, and they walked away. So there was no guarantees when you, you agree in principle until the inspections are done, this ain't over. And this goes to show you, it actually amazes me how many free agent contracts go through given the amount of dollars and everything else. But people also have to understand, my understanding is that the amount of physical due diligence is not all-encompassing for every single free agent unless they see something comes up in the initial stages. If something comes up from the first review, then they dig further. I don't think every free agent, when they go to do their medicals and inspections, they run the gauntlet of of CAT scans and MRIs and X-rays. They don't go through everything with everybody I don't know if you've heard differently. I I don't know that they, you know, let's say that Vladimir Guerrero or whatever else they were trying, let's say they were trying to make a trade or something. I, I don't think that they, the other team's going to go, well, we're going to hinge that trade on him having a CAT scan and an EKG and everything else. Because I think there's some basic level of 
physical ability and physical wellness that's assumed across a, a certain level of the players, right? As you get older or whatever. So the only thing I can think is that when they did the initial one for the Giants, right, that there was something there that just had not shown up anywhere else. And this was the Giants doing their due diligence and saying, you know what, we just, we can't take this on, right? We just cannot take this on and pay that kind of guaranteed money and that kind of contract, right? Um, you know, it's it's hard to believe though that if you're willing to sign a guy for, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 million dollars a year for a number of years that, yeah, you're not basically, you know, stripping him naked and putting him on the stress test and poking and prodding and doing everything you possibly can do, right? Um, now, I don't know if there's some sort of limitation to that in the player's agreement, in the, you know, in the contracts or anything like that. But man, if I'm spending 200, $300 million, I want a clean bill of health or as close as I can get. They're also getting their medicals and they get to see their history. If there is a pre-existing item, like Korea had that injury back in the minors, with even without taking a look at the guy, as soon as you read the, the severity of that injury back then, then you're saying, yeah, I got to know where he's at now. So that might have some play to it. I can also tell you that as a lawyer, I'm sure there's items in there as far as what they can and can't test for. But I agree with you. You and I are running a team. Anything I can test that's humanly allowable under the uh, CBA, I am doing it in a second to protect my investment. So things worked out for Korea. I think he's going to go play Minnesota. He'll be happy there. He'll make his money. I think Boris hopefully got some sort of education because he was strung around like a peacock. You know, I broke a billion dollars worth of uh, contracts. And if I'm a Scott Boris client, I'd be calling him up. I'd say, yeah, I saw you did 20 really good ones. I don't want to be the next Korea. Don't put me in that position ever. Right. So now a guy who was in a very funny position, Wayne, I've done some research into this. I was researching all night last night, actually, for this topic. I'm really, really excited. And I, I my mind is blown because you got a Vander Kane. They are going to NHL hockey right now, but not talking about hockey itself. So Vander Kane had to declare bankruptcy, and this was mostly relating to gambling, my understanding. Yes. We got Robin Leonard, the goalie, over in Vegas, who's sitting on IR right now collecting his $5 million paycheck. And the guy that I said the Leafs should acquire because he's a guy who put him over the top. They did acquire him at one point, but then flipped him right away to Chicago. I'm not understanding at all what's going on with this guy. And now news has come out. There's so many facets to this story, Wayne. So Robin Leonard's declared bankruptcy. He's apparently his assets are one to 10 million, but he's up to $50 million in debt potentially. And that's his bankruptcy. So we're talking about mainly related to his reptile farm in Plato, Missouri. Okay. Plato, Missouri. So doing a little digging now last night, um, I found some interesting information about all of this. So first of all, Plato, Missouri has a population of 82 as of 2020. 82, 82. people. Oh, I, I, I thought you made maybe 82 snakes. No, 82 okay. residents in Plato, Missouri. Going mm -hmm. on realtor.com, I can see that 15% of the housing in Plato is up for sale right now as we speak. You can buy a house under foreclosure for $64,000 mm -hmm. US dollars. There's, most of the houses there are around $100,000 to $150,000. And you're getting about one to 20 acres of land. But then I stumbled upon this farm 
for two and a half million dollars for sale. It has a done up kitchen to the nines in its bedroom. It's got a treadmill. Uh, I think we found Leonard's farm. I think it's up for sale for two and a half million dollars in Plato, Missouri. Now, to add to all of this, so he gets his farm going, his reptile farm in Plato, Missouri. Don't know why he's over there. He buys $1.2 million in exotic snakes from an individual. Turns out that individual was murdered by his wife. Now the estate of the snake farmer has claimed that Leonard has not paid his bills on the snakes. Plus he stole some anacondas from <laughs> the snake farmer. Wait, you can't make this stuff up if you tried. What is wrong with Robin Leonard? I know he has mental health issues and he's overcome a lot, but $50 million in debt, snake farms in Plato, Missouri, with a population of 82, stealing anacondas, murdering farmers. Why is he involved with all this, Wayne? So first off, let's not snake shame. Okay. Some people are really into reptiles. I'm not really into reptiles, but let's not snake shame Robin Lehner. Um, I've watched South Park. I, I know some people like snakes. Absolutely. It's it's a very strange situation. And I read a little bit last night about the murder case, which is this guy's wife or ex-wife and her boyfriend at the time are charged with shooting the guy while he was taking the garbage out, uh, apparently because they felt like he was going to try to take their kids and they were splitting up or something like that. I, and he had the money to do it. Apparently this guy, he had 1.2 million from Robert Leonard, who he was pretty damn successful and he was looking to sell the business. Right. And uh, the thing I don't quite understand though, is that, so I've seen the 1.2 million. I've seen Robin Lehner complaining that because the stakes were just sort of let to do whatever they wanted to do as snakes will do that it's decreased the value of the snakes because they were breeding with other snakes they shouldn't have been. And I don't know if we can talk about that. This is a family show. Um, but how do you get to 50 million? Like well, Ro- $50 well, Robin million. Leonard, dollars. Well, hold on. Robin Leonard <laughs> had the farm in Plato, Missouri, with the population of 82. Three of those residents were the caretakers of the farm. So he had three employees going. I thought they were taking care of the $1.2 million in snakes plus the stolen anacondas, so I don't know. Uh, if you take a look at this farm, it's very impressive. It is up on Realtor.com for $2.5 million. I can't verify for sure that this is Robin Leonard's farm, but uh, taking a look, like this stuck out like a sore thumb. It looks like an NHL player would go and design a farm in Plano, Missouri, so uh, I'm pretty sure it's a Leonard farm, but I could be wrong. Um, I First of all, how do you even end up at a place like this? And second of all, as an HL goalie, and then making your contract money, why do you put that kind of money to snakes? And what was his game plan there? I can only think, like I said, it, from what I read, it looked like there was some sort of there was some sort of discussion that Leonard might buy the entire business, right? And you know what? If you're a guy who's got a fair amount of money and you have a love of reptiles or whatever else. You know, that's a legitimate business, just like anything else. But I think that, you know, uh, if you're going to be as charitable as you possibly could to Laner, I think maybe he just got into a situation where this guy was mixed up in some other stuff and his wife and 
that that ex-wife and his her, her girl or a boyfriend took the guy out and now Leonard's kind of caught in all of that right now how he ends up in Plato Missouri which 82 people is you know not a lot but it's not the smallest town in that area either I guarantee you right um it's only 20 miles from Fort Leonard Wood by the way which is one of the biggest bases in the United States that's a that's a huge military base so there's a lot of people in that area but there are lots of little towns like that too right um my guess would be if you found that farm there that is the farm because there isn't going to be another one like that in Plato Missouri I mean it's not it's not that far away from where I grew up right uh so you know the question is who the hell is Laner's financial guy who, how does he not looking at all this? I guess finer, I guess Laner's financial guy is Robin Laner and his wife. Uh, the people named in the suit were Leonard and his father. Father. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Is this to, a Jack Johnson situation, right? So uh, you know, you know, Evander Kane had his issues. Evander Kane, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Dan Nostein, the hockey agent, when he was on the show, and he was saying, you know, he's got to prepare presentations and try to woo. You know, high high profile clients to come and join his uh, agency, right? Evander Kane reached out to Dan Milstein and said, uh, "Dan, I need you to help me ASAP." You know, Evander came mm-hmm. to him. You know, reading Robin Leonard's story, I'm thinking Dan Milstein's involved with this. There's no way he's gonna allow this kind of crap to go down. This is right. And the company that lent lent Evander Kane money to be used towards the gambling is the same company apparently they lent. Leonard the money to be used towards the reptile farm or the purchase of the snakes. So there's a few creditors out there. It's not pretty and not pretty, but pretty. And uh, I don't know how much mileage he has in the tank as far as overcoming this. Uh, I think bankruptcy is his only way. And uh, the second he got hit with the first $4 million lawsuit, he's like, screw this. I'm out of here. Yeah. But on the same token, it's like, when you're making that kind of money, you're making $5 million a year, you know, maybe go down to the mall, get a couple of snakes, get yourself a tank, maybe just keep the $5 million a year, invest it, collect the interest on it, live off the interest. Maybe don't go get $50 million in debt. Like something happened here. And I don't know how much more the debt is beyond the snake farming, but uh, I'm telling you, this story ain't over yet. And it's, it's not good. And uh, Leonard, you know, considering the issues he has had in the past and been outspoken as far as mental health goes, I'm sure this is not great for his mental health. He's going to have to come out and speak about this at some point, and I can't wait for that story, and I hope he writes a book about it. Well, my question is, where else Carol Baskin in all of this? Which Did she know that dude who owned the ra- the reptile ranch? We should be asking her some questions too, shouldn't we? Uh, I, I, I feel bad for Laner. I mean, I feel bad for anybody in this kind of situation I also wonder, you know, it's pretty tough to have a whole lot of uh, uh, sympathy for somebody who has $5 million a year coming in and decides to blow it on a snake ranch. Um, I I hope things work out for him. I don't know. You know, I, I'm also curious about the company that lent the money to him. Is Is this one of those, I mean, is this some sort of predatory company that they're going to find out that this had some crazy interest rate, you know, or... You know, basically, it's like a payday loan place for athletes where they're like, okay, well, we'll, you have your paycheck sent to us and we'll give you the two million now and you'll pay us three million over the course of the next two years or something. 
you know, and you get yourself into that revolving door of you can never catch up, right? So you can never get out of debt. If they're loaning the money to him and they're loaning the money to Kane, it kind of makes me wonder, right? When an athlete, a rapper, or movie star, whatever, when they go to purchase some jewelry iced out or they want to go and do up their cars, Wayne, they don't always have the money sitting in the bank. When they go to borrow the money, the lender doesn't say, I don't know if that drip chain is the best investment on the planet. They're like, <laughs> how much do you need? Okay, 10%, 15% interest, no problem. 20% interest, we're good to go. You know, So I think yeah. it's one of those situations for sure, where probably the interest is over accumulated the original principle long ago. So we wish Robert Leonard the best on this and the story is still writing itself. As two other stories, as we're going to wrap up today, that I got to go there because that's the way it's got to be. Uh, I know you don't watch wrestling anymore. You used to in the day, Wayne, and I still mm -hmm. going to get on you on this because you're missing the golden age of wrestling, buddy. It's it's really been uh, on the uptake. So Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, if you can find a time for it, I'm telling you, you'll go back to it. It's been fantastic. Well, apparently... Vince McMahon is convinced that there's a lot of companies out there that agree with me. So Vince has gone and brought himself back into the fold after his uh, self-imposed retirement. After a couple of allegations came out of some payoffs for various indiscretions. And he's come on. He, he got a couple of his uh, cronies on the board. And Vince is back in control. And he's only there for the help facilitate the sale of WWE. He has nothing to do with creative, apparently. And there's rumors that the Saudis are here with the public fund trust and they're going to be buying WWE. Wayne, what are you hearing on WWE, the sale? And do you believe that Vince is really controlling himself and not going to be part of the control uh, team on WWE, creative team? I don't know that Vince McMahon has the capabilities uh, to keep himself out of kind of meddling in everything that's going on in the company. Um, but I do think I think now's the time to sell. And I think if you're Stephanie and, you know, Stephanie stepping away, supposedly, you know, or stepping down or whatever else. Um, look, I would think that if you're going to have somebody negotiate, it's probably should be Vince. And I think the most money is going to come from the Saudi fund. I mean, I think there are plenty of other people in the U S who would be interested in it, but you could go to the Saudis and go, well, it's yours if you give me 20% more. And they're like, yeah, okay, whatever. They don't care, right? So Ask the they golfers. buy it, right? Ask the golfers. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, just, it's just, you know, it's just extra It's just extra pocket change laying around, right? So do I think that there's going to be a sale? Yeah, I think the sale will happen relatively quickly. Um, do I think it's going to be to the Saudis? Yeah, I think it's going to be to the Saudis. Do I think there will be any fundamental change in how the WWE works? I don't think so. I think the Saudis are smart enough to just kind of go, you know what? Things are fine here. We want them to do more events over here, you know, that sort of thing, maybe do a little more international stuff. But I think for the most part, things will function the way they will. Uh, the question will be, will the Saudis then up the amount of money that goes to the wrestlers themselves? Will you start seeing maybe some people who would consider, like, let's say Rob Gronkowski or somebody like that. If all of a sudden, you, if you're the Saudis and you've got the wherewithal to say, you know what, Rob Gronkowski, we're going to give you $10 million to make an appearance and wrestle at WrestleMania. Hey, you know what, whoever the hell it is, right? We're going to pay, 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 right? 
they, there could be some crazy stuff that happens here, right? And this, I'll tell you what, the other thing is too, is that I was reading a little interview with Vince about when he actually acquired the, the WWF from his dad. And then basically his dad had no idea that he was going to consolidate all these small things, right? And then his dad would have totally been against it. I could see somebody stepping back in and sort of trying to, if it's the Saudis or somebody else, starting to develop sort of a minor league system again, but one that they control the way that baseball does. You know, as it runs right now, there is such a huge drop from the very top echelons of pro wrestling. You know, even when you get two steps away from that, it's pretty crazy, right? Guys are not making any money and everything else. You know, they have the development academy, and I know they have their scouts and all that sort of thing. But if you could develop a territorial system again, you know, and then kind of run it almost like a playoffs, you know, do like a TV show where it's the Southwest versus this week, you know, and I'm not saying it would be real, but it would, you would give you another TV show to run, right? You know, this week it's California versus Florida, and you know, blah, 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 and have standings and everything else put old wrestlers in charge of those particular divisions. I mean, that's a whole new TV show right there. The territory, maybe the territories would be like franchises under the umbrella of the sports league. Cause back Mm -hmm. in the day, each territory was their own league. Like they ran their own shows and WWF, which was WWF before it became WWF and then had to change it to WWE. They were in the New York territory, and then you had the Atlanta territory, the Cincinnati territory. There were all these territories, and then Vince McMahon Jr. comes and just takes over everybody and consolidates and, and just wiped everybody out, basically. But I could see WWE being like a franchise and having the different uh, areas, territories, as sub-franchises. That would be interesting for sure. Um, now, would Vince, you think, make it a condition that, okay, Saudis, you're going to pay 28% more than everybody, but you got to put me back in creative control. Do you think he would make that kind of demand or do you think we're past those days? I don't think so. I think he's beyond that now. I think he's at a point where he realizes that, you know what, let's just get this done. Let me hand it off to somebody else and go from there. I I don't think so. I mean, far be it for me to predict what Vince McMahon is thinking. Um, but I kind of feel like, and I also kind of feel like too, the moment that the sale is done, I think Stephanie comes back in. The only one issue I'm going to end this topic with is uh, talking to Don Pappas, who was on our show a couple of weeks back, and she used to work for WWE Canada, and, uh, and she was in the music industry before, but she came into the world of wrestling, and she was hel- helping with PR and uh, organizing events, etc. And she was saying, it's literally like a circus. Everything is a work, so you never know for certain. Like, for example, we're talking about this now. So they've already achieved their job. They're already bringing Vance mm-hmm. in. Is Vince pushing out Triple H and Stephanie? You know, real life to fantasy is all blurred. The Saudis are going to come take over the way the Germans brought the power plant in the Simpsons. You never know what's real until it actually happens. Everything could be a work. Everything could be fake or news or kind of real. And they blur the lines of fantasy reality. But it makes for a great conversation. It's definitely a great soap opera. Well, I think that... That you used exactly the right term there at the end, soap opera, right? I think that's one of the things that actually has been missing from wrestling for a little while is that there were instances where things that were completely outside of the ring would would you be talking about Vince McMahon and and I don't want to you know not necessarily about indiscretions or things like that, 
But, you know, is Vince going to do this? Is what's going on with TNT and, and T, you know, and all this kind of stuff. There was a lot of that kind of stuff going on too. And it kept things in the forefront. People were talking about it outside of wrestling. They were talking about it in a business sense. Do I think the Saudi angle is a work? No, I don't. I think WWE is actually going to be sold. But is Vince creating this sort of, oh, I can't believe he would sell to the Saudis. Why would he sell to the Saudis? Yeah, I think he's playing that up. Do I think Stephanie left because there's some sort of rift between the two of them? No, I don't think so at all. I think it just means that Stephanie doesn't need to be there right now. And it's just another angle. Do I think she's not involved? I think she's probably still involved. But yeah, then the Saudis bring her back and it's part of the work. Like, oh, look, now the first thing we're going to do is we're going to bring Stephanie and Triple H back to run the show because that's who should be running the WWE, right? Well, to, that looked great, but it's probably been the plan the whole time, right? So Stephanie, go take a nice vacation and we'll see you in three months or six months, right? Well, to end today's uh, episode, we're going to talk about one last soap opera. And we talked about Trevor Bauer. We talked about WWE. So let's talk about the UFC and Dana White and his soap opera right now. And you can't write a weirder script because this is a thing. So uh, after I watch wrestling uh, most weeknights, there's a program that comes on afterwards, Wayne, and it's called the Professional Tag League. So you remember remember when we were in grade school, grade one, grade three, we were playing tag? you know, in the, in, in the uh, recess at lunchtime, right? So there is a professional tag league out there, and you have these athletes training for tag, and there actually is a sport as this. Well, Dana White said, you know what? I like this kind of stuff so much. I'm going to create what's called the professional slapping league. And so that's about to launch. And there's all these rules that you can't do running start as far as you know, the momentum of the slap. And so you're going to have these professionals, like it's already been going on, this these, these slapping competitions. Mm-hmm. Dana White feels this is going to be a league and this is going to be huge. And right before the launch of his professional slapping league, uh, him and his wife were caught, unfortunately, in an unfortunate uh, New Year's Mexico incident where she slapped him and then he slapped her. How, in this day of political correctness, how does this man still have a job how is he avoiding really the fury of this? And how is the professional slapping league still going on with all this nonsense? Well, I guess my first question is, is Dana White still married to the same person? Apparently, yes. Yeah. Then I don't know what the issue is. Uh, am I condoning slapping your wife? No, I'm not. Uh, but apparently Dana White's wife doesn't have a huge problem with it. She's still there. Um why would everybody else have a huge problem with it? I mean, it's a w- weird look. I don't know. I haven't seen the video of it. I don't know the full story. But, you know, from the discussion that I've seen about Dana White's response to it, it doesn't sound like it was just some sort of, oh, it's a goof thing, you know, and she slapped me and I slapped. It sounds like it was actually, you know, there was some sort of angry interchange there or whatever else. But to me, you know, I read an article about, well, these are the things that they should do to Dana White. And I'm like, the person you should be asking who should do something to Dana White is Dana White's wife. Did she file any charges against him? Has she left the guy? Has she said he's a horrible person? If she's forgiven him, then I'm not exactly sure where we're supposed to go with this. 
If this was the WWE, I would say, boy, this sounds like a work. You're going to launch a professional slap league. And then, oh, by the way, here's a video of my wife and I slapping the crap out of each other. It sure doesn't seem like that in the way that White has responded to it, you know, because White's general MO when somebody asks him an uncomfortable question is, well, what do you think they should do, right? And the person seems to be nonplus, but that's kind of the point. If, if you think that something should be done professionally to Dana White, why don't you tell us what, now I'm not directing this to you, but to the people asking questions in the press conferences, then why don't you tell us what you think should be agreeable? Should he get a suspension? Should you make him step away from this or that? And then why don't you call Dana White's wife and ask him, ask her the same question and see what she says? Because that's the only person I opinion I really care about in this. Well, Dana White came out and said, you know, removing me from UFC will only hurt the fighters, will only hurt the sport because I'm so valuable. So that's not going to achieve anything. And I'm the one who has to walk the shame every day. And I got to live with what I did. Yet it seems like he's not getting any kind of repercussions whatsoever. The ones I'm most interested in, let's take him and his wife aside from this, because also, you know, uh, her getting abused, like really he hit her, you know, right. uh, it's not really fair. I think in some senses to put it on her as the, as the victim, even though she hit him first, you know, we cannot condone hitting your wife on in any circumstances. And it was bad. I know they're both in a drunken stupor, uh, you know, boring Rob Ford's language and it was new year's and they got out of hand. But I, if I'm the UFC, I'm suspending him immediately and investigating. They did none of that. I have an issue with that. I think they at least show politically that you're at least taking ownership of this. They are not. And then you got TBS and they're about to broadcast this new league. They put it, they didn't cancel it. They, they uh, delayed the launch, but you know, if it's anybody else but Dana White, this thing gets canceled yet. It feels like this is just going to blow over and nobody seems to care yet. People have done a lot less than him and have lost their careers forever. So it's almost like, you know, immunity. And I, I don't understand why he has that much power. Well, I I guess maybe it's the fact that he is most visible for a league where people beat the crap each out, of, out of each other unmercifully. I don't think that there's necessarily a huge uh, domestic violence uh, policy with the UFC or anything like that. I don't think they had anything in place. And so here you are, this happens, right? And now you're going to come out and say, okay, well, we're going to suspend him and everything else. And Dana White's going to be, okay, show me where in the policy it tells me that this is part of the deal. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it, but I am going to say that it may put them in an, in an awkward position in terms of legal, if he has a con whatever his contract has or whatever else, right? Because one of the things I read, I'm, again, I'm not a UFC follower, but I read that apparently they don't really have much of a of a like a contract that way with the the fighters probably because if they did they would be dealing with crap like this all the time you know so you've got other issues going on and they're like okay well you know you shouldn't do that or whatever else and then the dude at the top does it and you're like we really should have put a policy in place so what i would hope is that you know I, is data white going to step aside himself no he's not going to step inside himself he's not going to he's not going to remove himself I would hope that the UFC would maybe say, okay, well, unfortunately in the position we're in, we screwed up. We should have had this in place. This is what's going to happen from here on out. But then you just have, you basically have to make a decision if you're the UFC may, and they have a better grasp on this than, you know, internally than anybody else. 
Do they have a problem with it? And the reason that they don't have a policy is that they have a problem with it and it would keep it would cancel fights all the time. I mean, the fact of the matter is that they have a league where the people are killing themselves, literally. They're the most underpaid athletes compared to any other sport. I mean, I think there's lacrosse players make more money than them. It's it's unbelievable what these people put their bodies through and how grossly underpaid they are. And that's where I'm shocked that another league and startup has not really come out and called them out on it because there's one thing that, you know, Dana White is, he's good for business because he makes them a boatload of money and doesn't have to pay their athletes very much. And I think eventually this will come back to bite them at some point where the athletes are going to stand up and say, uh, we're not doing this anymore for this money. Are you guys nuts? And, uh, but, but the moment it feels like it's just going to blow over and he's getting off scot-free. And I, 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 I'm just, I'm shocked. I mean, we're talking about Trevor Bauer here and Trevor Bauer was not convicted of anything yet. He's almost going to get blacklisted and he's in the prime of his life. And here we have on, on tape, what Dana White did. And if this is any other sport, he is gone. Like he is gone. You got any baseball GM president of a team on tape doing this. They are gone forever. There's not even a question. Right. They are going to get expelled for forever. Not him. So I think he's going to get a free pass. And I think that it's not right. And that's where I'm going to leave it at that. Wayne that's Frazier. I'll leave it too. We'll leave it there. Wayne Frazier. We covered a lot in the world of sports today and a lot happening. Uh, great with the NFL playoffs. It's been really interesting and really excited for the Super Bowl and looking forward for Brock Purdy's trophy coming up. And uh, it's amazing, you know, with athletes and where they're at and with medicals and with legal troubles. You know what? There's always going to be a story to be told. And uh, I think we covered them very well today. So thank you very much for your insights. Thanks for having me again. Can't wait to be on uh, sometime in the near future. Absolutely. Well, you are a monthly correspondent and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of stories come up in between our tapings. And uh, as the new year started off at Doug Laurie Sports, obviously wishing you and Doug Laurie Sports a happy new year. And, uh, you know, everybody has the contact information for you. And uh, you have this, this shop, you have the uh, auction site, and you need sports memorabilia. Wayne Frazier is your guy. Stop by anytime, DougLaurieSports.com. And as we sign off, we pull our arms and we say, keep living the chosen life. They're still not getting any bigger. <laughs> I got to start working out more. Have a great day and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Wade.